Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We're talking WCW Uncensored 1999 this week, but of course we were going to be asking Eric Bischoff about that John Oliver expose on WWE. Stay tuned. You listen to them. Now hang out with us. This is After 83 Weeks with Christy Olson. That's me. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. It is time for the buzz to begin. This is After 83 Weeks, the show for all you fans of 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff out there to come and chat about the show. We cover all the revealing juicy stuff and uh, we are, of course, going to have Eric Bischoff himself joining us a little bit later. My name is Christy Olson, as you may have guessed. I have a couple of great guys on the panel with me here tonight. He is a veteran of the business and one of the hosts of AfterBuzz TV's Smackdown After Show. Hello, Christian Rosenberg. Hi, I'm just... I'm flesh. George, she thinks we're great. Not the first. I, that's that's great to hear. <laughs> and that's just the beginning. Uh, this guy is the encyclopedia of wrestling knowledge. And, you know, he's what's one step up from great? Extraordinary. Ooh. The you extraordinary know, George Hermosa. You know the difference between ordinary and extraordinary? That little extra. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Yeah. Oh, wow. We are rolling tonight with all the cheese. Make sure that you subscribe. We are on the 83 Weeks channel, and you can also catch us on Apple Podcasts, too, if you'd like to listen instead. Leave us a little five-star rating and maybe a comment, and we'd love to shout you out on the show. So get busy doing all those things. You guys can join us in the live chat on Wednesday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific, and we'd love to see you all there. So on that note, let's talk Uncensored 1999. There we got a little bit of our lead up to what's going down in WCW at the time before they start talking about the pay-per-view and we know that the Nitro ratings are are slipping. Eric said there's a lot of disorientation around uh, everybody's pretty tense and you know it's all leading up to this pay-per-view that he is not going to attend. <laughs> and I never saw I never saw the big deal about why they got into panic mode because it always makes it seem like alright it's the beginning of the end because you flash back like a, a year, year and a half WWF was on the same exact, like maybe even lower ratings than WCW. They were lower. I never understood why it almost seemed like, all right, we're losing now. Oh my God, you know, the ship is sailing. It's like, I don't know, it kind of shows a lot how maybe WCW was ran. The fact that, oh no, we're losing. Now time to hit the panic button. And and Eric brought it up during the podcast, big talk, because he talked about it. He's like, all right, you know, we're maybe about 20% below him, which is not great. Obviously, mm-hmm. they don't want that. But when you look at the numbers, it's not that big a, a difference. And we're still bringing in a large audience. Mm-hmm. Right. So he didn't understand why there was the massive panic either. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, with WWE, their numbers were far lower at their at their bottom point in, like, 96. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't sound like from any stories that I've ever heard that they panicked the way WCW did. Mm-hmm. What about this idea that Kevin Nash is trying his darndest to bury Bret Hart at this time. What do we know besides what we learned on the podcast this week about the relationship between those two? What was their beef? What was the issue? 
Do we know anything extra, uh, extra I, about I that? I don't Mr. think so, but I think what it is, it's, and I think we're all we are all guilty of this, where we all think we know a lot, where where we're all kind of super marky, where it's like, oh my god, Sean is best friends with Kevin Ash, and Kevin Ash doesn't like Brett because Sean doesn't like Brett because Brett doesn't like Sean. Like you automatically think that's what it is, you yeah, know? of course, because they're all friends with each other, Bro uh, code. you know, and so it's like, oh, of course, Kevin Ash isn't gonna like Brett when I mean, I always thought they had a good relationship. I guess that's what I thought. I mean, I just thought I was another hidden member of the clique because I thought I was so close with all of them because I knew every single thing. <laughs> um, no, I mean, honestly, I don't I don't know the exact, you know, perspective of the relationship with what it. But clearly, things? based on this, didn't sound like the best. No, they were beefers, not besties. And especially because you look at Brett, like, you know, you had, you know, the main event, Hogan Flair, you know, Nash Mysterio. Brett Hart, I know, I know it didn't happen on the pay-per-view, but then you turn on Nitro, it's Brett versus Will Sasso. From Mad TV. Yes. And it's like, oh, I mean, is that really the best way to use Brett's, you know, wrestling ability against uh, Mad TV's Will Sasso? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about how some of these guys were used during the actual show. It opened with Kidman and Mikey Whipwreck. I enjoyed that one, I gotta say. I think I'm I'm a Mikey Whipwreck fan now. The only thing we've heard about him recently is that he was doing the podcast with Jerry Lynn. Yeah. I've never really honestly been a big fan. I've respected the hell of him because just, like, his story is so unique. And he was... Just kind of the guy who we're almost pretty much learning on the fly. Mm-hmm. And I want, I've never been honestly too big on his matches, but this match, like Eric said, like this was one I was like really pleasantly surprised. I'm like, why is Whipwreck in the cruiserweight division? Oh, wait, he, I, now I see why he's in the cruiserweight yeah. division. So it, it was a pleasant surprise. And I kind of agree with him on the whole Kidman thing where, I mean, I mean, I guess he was kind of responding to Melter saying that Kidman was like, you know, Deserves the world, you know. I wouldn't go as far that far. I wouldn't get, go that far, but yeah, I, I do wish. I mean, I don't think he was a good-looking guy. I mean, he definitely overshot his whatever you say, whatever you call it. You know, when he started dating Terry Wilson, good for that guy, you know. But like, I mean, he was great in the ring, but I don't, I don't think he was anything more than that. You know what? I can appreciate that. That's all you really know about him or care about him. <laughs> that's is, all he cares about. Is who he dated, and he's the Hall guy. Of Famer Terry Wilson. I mean, women have been dealing with that for a lot of years. So hey, I like it. I like it. The, the Nikki Bella effect, we'll call that. <laughs> you guys have anything to say about Stevie Ray versus Vincent? Eric and Conrad didn't have much to say about it. Uh, between Stevie Ray and Vincent and Horace Hogan and Brian Adams. Yeah. And whatever other guys that still claim to be in the NWO, black and white, at that. I remember watching this and being like, "Is this really what the NWO has come to?" <laughs> we went from such a high to Stevie Ray versus Vincent <laughs> to determine the leader of the black and white. And it's crazy. I think about it kind of current times where you kind of have you kind of you know the NWO was kind of. Sur- uh, uh, Whatever, like Hogan, Hall, and Ash. Like, that's how we char- characterize the NWO, you know? Mm-hmm. Obviously, they went their separate ways. You had Sting, you had Savage, you know, kind of the, these different reincarnations in the NWO, right? But then you look modern time, like the Bullet Club. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't go away just because AJ left, just because Ballard left, just because Kenny Omega. Like, they carried on. I mean, I know they're not probably not as doing as much business as, as when it was, you know, Cody, Omega, the Bucks, and all that. But they're still there with Jay White, with... Uh, you know, bad luck Fale, and it's like I'm sure they're still selling T-shirts, and I'm oh, sure yeah. they're still selling T-shirts, and it's like, and that lasted a lot longer than the NWO. Yes, so it kind of makes you see like another reason why maybe the WCW failed because they didn't know how to kind of keep things going. Yes, it's Stevie Ray and Vincent, but you could have easily kind of inserted something else. Everybody always says NWO they lo- they lasted longer than no, I mean it did because what we saw. 
But that doesn't mean that it couldn't have lasted longer because you see the way that the Bullet Club, you know, is still going on after like five years. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, somebody who's still out there is uh, no, never mind. <laughs> I want to know who's still out there. Someone who has lost his mask. Oh. In in one match, uh, Rey Mysterio Jr. versus still Kevin. Natch. Yeah, okay. He's still out yeah. there. He's still doing his thing. Kevin Nash, baby, baby Bray, and JoJo's kid. Oh God. <laughs> what? Uh, should we just move on? <laughs> Jerry <Yes>. Flynn and <laughs> Jerry Flynn and Sonny Ono. We have this to move on to Jerry unique, Flynn, according to Eric Bischoff. And uh, you know, we overlook a lot of the times that Jerry was really a he was a true martial artist, but he was boring. Yeah, Aww, and he had a, a horrible mullet. Yeah, oh my god, that mullet was horrific. I mean, Although, if we're going to hate on mullets, you got to put a whole bunch more guys in that bucket. Yeah, but in we 1999, do. how many mullets were there? Well, I don't know. Isn't that when it was kind of hot? No. Oh. When did <laughs> Joe Dirt come out? <laughs> I think earlier than that, but that was based on a, another character, like even I'll, earlier. Although we'll say, I, I do, I do agree with Eric's assessment about Ernest Miller, where I feel like I think I know he got into wrestling a little bit older, but man, if he would have been there a little bit earlier, because that guy that got over in the mid nineties with, with been the over. with the limited in ring skill that he had, that guy got. I mean, James Brown came out a year later and yes. like danced with them, and that was amazing. Right. That's it. Yeah, I mean, you guys, I don't know. What on this? I'm not just going to keep going down the line. James Brown. I'm boring myself with this, just going down the line. So why don't you guys tell me what interested you specifically about Uncensored 1999? It's, it's not so much what interested me. It's more like just you look at the landscape. of. I mean, it's easy to say this in hindsight. For example, you have Hogan and Flair in 1999 mm-hmm. when that was the dream match in 1989. Yes. You know, and then you had it in 94 in WCW. Now you have it again in 99. And then you flip over, and it's like, it's not the guys that you wanted to see 10 years ago. It's the guy that you want to see 10 years from now. You know, you had Austin Rock, you know, Edge Christian, you know, Undertaker was, you know, getting up there. Big Show had just come over, you know. It yeah. just, it just it, like, you see why they went under, because they kept focusing on, or they didn't ever focus on the future. And, the, my, and my, big, my big issue with it was, we had the barbed wire first blood cage match. And like, no, 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 no. Oh, uh, WCW World Heavyweight title first blood steel cage match. With barbed wire. That's right. With barbed wire. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the thing that annoys me because it ended in a pinfall and it's first blood match, which I know Bischoff talked about. That is my biggest pet peeve. Like, a no disqualification match has rope breaks. Mm-hmm. Why? If it's no disqualification. The ref can count all they want. Why, why, does the bother, why does the wrestler even bother letting go? Right. You can just choke him to death if you really wanted to, or until he loses consciousness. <laughs> because then you win the match. He cannot continue, and the ref can't do anything about it. Why do we change the rules? It's a first blood match. He's bleeding. It's decided by pinfall. What the hell? The, the ref is a fan. He's a Ric Flair fan I mean, from I, back honestly, in the day. To defend the, the hor- horrific baby. Uh, stipulations, I think it was more of a screw job to get to really? get, to get Flora as a heel <laughs> from Little Nash. Yeah, but but I'm just saying, Conspiracy like, but, but we 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 see we see this in in so many other other matches from t- today. We'll we'll see it. I mean, we'll see you know something where okay, we're hanging. I think Elias had like we're hanging a guitar. Up top in the ladder. Mm-hmm. Normally, a lot of match, first one to get whatever the object is off the top of the ladder is the winner. No, this match ends in pinfall. And if you decide to climb the ladder, you can use that as a weapon, but it's not required. What the, I mean, like. Listen, because he would want to get his guitar back. He is a musician, he's an artiste. He's not just going to let his guitar hang up there on the wall. 
Or what if he just pins his opponent, and ends the match, was... and then climbs up and gets it without any distraction? Well, that just doesn't seem like something he would do. <laughs> Although I am fascinated by the whole Barry Windham thing. Because here's a guy yeah. who, who came in as champion with Kurt Henning. So on paper, like you, I mean, granted it's 99, but you think about Kurt Henning, Barry Windham, Dean Malinker, and Chris Benoit in the same match. Yeah. Like, and it's crazy. Like, I'm kind of curious what happened with Barry Windham. Because in the 80s, he was like the man. The guy. Be. And even like he came into WBF as the Widowmaker. Garbage. Then he came back to WCW. He was really Wasn't good. He the stalker also. Then he came back to WWF as the stalker, and it's like, okay, like, what did you do that? And then Blackjack Wyndham, whatever he's doing. But it's like, what happened to him? Like, I know he got a little out of shape, but what is it? What is it? It kind of reminds me of Chris Hero. Cashizona. Mm. Yeah, Cashizona. Where like when he first started, like he he looked great, you know, and everything. He wrestled without a shirt and whatever. But again, I don't, I don't. God forbid they have something where maybe they like. Maybe they're gaining weight. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if it's like a health thing, mm-hmm. but because you know the mindset's still there. Mm-hmm. Not like they lost. They 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 forgot how to wrestle. Right. So I'm kind of curious. Like, what happened to Barry Windham? Like, this guy should have been it's all probably, everything. No, it could be just as simple as that. Especially in this time period, was that he gained weight, and some people struggle with that. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, no, again, I'm, 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 I've always been fascinated by him because I can watch him flare all day from '86. And and Bischoff brought up a good point with it because I mean, in that match. Winham was clearly the giant Yeah, and he wrestler. was huge. And obviously you don't want to imitate the same type of things that might happen in the Nash Mysterio match, but you got to use the the big man advantage when mm-hmm. you're wrestling little Dean Malenko. And especially at this time, I want to say Wyndham was 37 or 38. I think Barry Wyndham, or sorry, Randy Orton is everything that Barry Wyndham should have become as well. You look at Randy Orton's lineage. He, they, Randy, Orton's, Randy Orton's 39 now. He's going to have a big match this upcoming uh, weekend with AJ Styles. And everyone forgets how tall Randy is. Yeah, he's Randy's like 6'5". Like, five. Six, six, like the same height as Wyndham. Yeah. You know, but Wyndham, like, whatever happened. Again, maybe it's uh, maybe an, an issue. And I, I, I cannot completely understand that, uh, what can happen. But he's always been fascinated to me. Because I, I love to watch him wrestle. And I'm like, man, like, I wish he could have done more. Is he still with us? Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully we'll get a chance to ask him sometime. I mean, he's retired, but, you know. Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean we can't get him <laughs> right, to talk. I, I would hope he's retired at this point. <laughs> I'm surprised that we've been chatting about this pay-per-view now for several minutes, and Perry Saturn's dress, nor this dog collar thing, and none of that has none of that has yet come up. I think that's what it's, it's stands norm. out it, it, to me the most. It's funny, because, like, I want to say, I don't think it was this paper, it was the Super Brawl, where it was Jericho against Perry Saturn, and Loser has to wear a dress. And this was around the time where we all knew that Jericho was going to go to WWF come July, come August. So we all thought that Jericho was going to lose, but then Saturn lost. But then you heard, like, I think it was his idea to wear the dress. He just wanted a new look. And in the end, then, yeah, pretty much like the stipulations kind of ended, and Saturn's character was just like, no, I'm going to keep wearing it. Yeah, I'm going to keep wearing it. Like, I think you just had to wear the, the dress the one time. And then, and then WWE decided to completely copy it with Vito. <laughs> but, and, and, I mean, the match itself is really was very well done, I thought. And we had Ralphus. Yeah, but I mean, the think, great how, think how difficult that is to, to pull off yes, maneuvers. Yes, very difficult. Pull off maneuvers while connected to your opponent. I mean, that is, it eliminates so many things that mm-hmm. usually you would go to, especially storytelling elements, when you have to remain that physically close. Mm-hmm. And I thought they did a good job. Oh, well, I mean, well, both of them are tremendous wrestlers. I mean, mm-hmm. Saturn, we've talked about on this show how he was probably one of the most underrated guys in WCW during, during this reign. It... He was in a dress, though. And Ralphus was there. Do you guys remember what you thought of that as kids? I un- I didn't understand. Um, well, I'm not saying like I don't understand. No, it was just like why. Um, my my thought was like, no, you're like a tough guy. Mm-hmm. You could say no. 
I thought it was his idea. I heard it was his idea. It might have been. Who knows? But as a kid watching, not knowing if it's his idea, mm-hmm. I'm just like, dude, you could kick so many of these guys' asses. You can wear you can wear whatever the hell you want. Don't wear a dress. I think I because mean, I'm not intimidated by you when you wear a dress. I mean, I, I think it was smart. Had, had WCW had better merchandising, that just a whole new action figure that you can sell. You know what I mean? They could have sold Saturn dresses. Yeah, they could have, but they never. Oh, that was cute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like you know, they never did. I mean, I, I think I think from WCW standpoint, I think, or I'm sorry, from the wrestler WCW wrestler standpoint, it was cool. Let me switch up my look. Let me you know have a fresh new start. But obviously. They would never, you know, capitalize. And on they that. never had. Did they have Saturn as a like in a dress as a possible character in any of their video games? He was uh, in the video games. Yeah, did sure. they give him an option to wear a dress? I, that I have no idea. You don't recall something that you don't. I, I never played the video it's game. I never played WWE Backstage Assault. I couldn't even tell you that one. I, I was never singing, played. I was this, singing Revenge. I never or, played Revenge or Tour. WCW World Tour. Well, someone who I'm. T- almost positive was not in any of the video games. Correct me if I'm wrong. David Flair? No, probably not. Uh, I don't I, think so. I thought his, I thought he displayed some psychology understanding. Like, we've talked about him a lot. He's had these little blurbies on WCW. We know he wasn't trained well. Um, but I thought for the role that he played on this pay-per-view, I thought that he did well. Agreed? Not I mean, so much? I, I, mean, I don't want to disagree. I mean, I... I I'm sure. I'm sure he, much like myself, whenever you're kind of new in that role, you want to kind of, you know, replay it in your mind over and over again to make sure you do it right. And obviously, yeah. with that big of a platform, I'm sure you have more time to, to perfect it. I mean, it's, no, I'm not going to disagree. But yeah, if Ric Flair was no was not known, do you think he would have even David Flair would have even gotten the job? No, no, no. But it's hard for anyone to get a job in professional wrestling regardless right. of who they are. Right. Well. Well, it's it is it is a little easier if you have a family member <laughs> who is the greatest champion of all time. But but yeah, I mean it's with those things where it's just like I don't know, David. Just to me, he he never got it. Mm-hmm. And I, that's the sucks. It's not really his fault. No, I'm not know? blaming yeah, yeah. him. And I know he tried. I think he had a developmental deal back in '02. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I guess it just never really worked out. Mm-hmm. Well, anything else you guys want to add about Uncensored '99? I'm this just, was like the least, kind of the least thought provoking yeah. or the least juicy we've had. In like in I wasn't a while, expecting right? them to cover this. I mean, I think it was April first when this episode came out. I thought they were going to start getting the Shrink Stampede, uh, which I mean, '97 should be fun. I mean, we all kind of. Oh no, that, I'm, exci- I'm excited. I'm excited for next week. I'm also I'm also excited on on hearing all the craziness that Eric's probably got going on this weekend. Yes. All right. Well, on that note, maybe we should uh, get him on the line and you chat think with we should? That? I think we should. Why don't we do that? All right. Well, all y'all out there, you stay tuned for just a minute. We will be right back with Eric Bischoff. Welcome back to After 83 Weeks. Joining us now is a guy you can see all over New York this weekend, especially at WrestleCon. Make sure you check him out. Hello, Eric Bischoff. Good evening how are you hi well we're great we're really excited that you had a little time to chat with us even though i'm sure you have a very busy week ahead of you yes i have a busy week ahead of me but this evening and tomorrow are still all mine so i'm still good i'm relaxed cool well well i'm sure these guys are going to try to ruffle your feathers a little bit but uh we'll see how it goes we do have some questions for you after listening to the uncensored 1999 episode but of course since it is you know wrestlecon week the very important WrestleCon week. We want to make sure that we yes. talk a little bit about what you got going on, too. So I want to start off by asking you, who are you excited to see this weekend? Or, like, what are you most looking forward to? 
boy, this I'm gonna I'm gonna I know I'm gonna say the opposite of what, of what everybody would expect, but I really you know I'm looking forward to being at the events. I'm looking forward to you know the signing Friday and Saturday at WrestleCon, especially Saturday. Tony Schiavone's gonna be there. I'm doing a thing Saturday night. I've got a little WWE thing I'm doing on Friday night. So, I'm you know I'm I'm gonna be moving around. I'm gonna stay involved. I'm going over to Busted Open Radio. Uh, I think two thirty Saturday afternoon. So, I'm, you know. I, I'm going to be busy, but when I'm not busy doing something, I'm literally going to be hiding in my hotel. I'm not a, there's a reason I live in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming, and it's not because I miss being around people. So uh, it'll, it'll be the first day is going to be a blast. The second day will be fun. By the third day, I'm going to be looking for someplace to hide. Do you have a disguise that you can go out and, like, grab food or whatever you need to do? Like, one of those hats with the hair on it or, like, the glasses and the nose? What do you do? I usually wear dark glasses when I'm out, um, especially in a city like New York during WrestleMania because there are so many wrestling fans in such a condensed area that no matter where you go, somebody's going to recognize you. And I like that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not one of those people that, you know, don't want to be bothered when I'm out and all that. But it's just it can be overwhelming at an event, you know, WrestleMania weekend or WrestleCon. Or just the fact that it's, it is what it is, where it is, when it is. It's it's going to be tough. And I, like I said, when I'm working, I love it. But I'll be spending a lot of time in, in my room. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, people don't usually recognize me too often when I'm out because, like I say, I – Keep a hat on, throw the dark glasses on. I'm usually wearing a beat-up old army jacket, and I look like a taxi driver. <laughs> Incognito. You, you talked about you know some of the different events, and you mentioned you got a thing Saturday night. I actually wanted to ask you a little bit about that event Saturday night because apparently you're appearing at, at the People's Improv Theater with um, one gentleman by the name of Mark E. Extreme. And you do not like hardcore matches, <laughs> yet he goes on and on about being the 15-plus-year undefeated champion of his own backyard wrestling entertainment company. What the hell convinced you to appear for this? Well, first of all, it's a charity. Yes. And it's a charity involving animals. So hard for me to turn that one down. And, and I like to put myself in situations that are new and different and something nobody would or including me would ever expect to do so you know the fact that it's in an improv environment and it's a little whack and it's outside of my comfort zone i don't know sounds like fun <laughs> <laughs> well yeah for for people that might be interested in that it is happening at 11 p.m at the people's improv theater um you can get tickets the website is um the direct website is bit.ly slash oym live and Kenny King's going to be there, Ty Valkyrie, of course, you, Eric. And I just want to confirm, because I've, I've met Marky Extreme. He's weird. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you prepared to go one-on-one in a shoot-type interview with one Marky Extreme? I, I don't know who this idiot is. <laughs> I don't know what his deal is. I got an email saying, hey, would you do this? It's for a charity, blah, 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 blah. And, and, and Dolph Ziggler's mother's charity, I think. Is oh. Yes, it's called it's called a pause for a cause. Right. So I thought, you know, you know what the hell? It's Saturday night. I'm going to just be walking the streets of New York trying to hide from people. You know, <laughs> maybe, maybe it'll be fun. But intimidated, huh. uh, nervous <laughs> in, in an interview. It, have you guys ever seen me on TV? <laughs> time or two, a time or two. 
Well, something that you are bound to get asked about this weekend by the fans or maybe just by your cohorts in the wrestling biz is the piece that John Oliver did on Sunday night about WWE. Have you seen it? I have, as a matter of fact. I uh, The last couple of weeks have been pretty busy. I've been working on a separate project and, and traveling quite a bit. And I got home this past weekend because I've really been traveling all last week, really. And uh, a friend of mine that I'm working with sent it over to me and said, hey, you got to take a look at this. I think it was late Sunday night or maybe early, early Monday morning. And I looked at it and it was, you know, it drew blood. You know, it, it had it, it was definitely uh, it was funny. I mean, I like the comedy. I got to admit that the way it was written and, and executed, I thought was great. But the subject material is going to, you know, it'll be interesting to see if it sticks the fact that it came out right before WrestleMania when, you know, somebody was smart enough to realize it's going to get, you know, probably more traction on the Internet because of it being WrestleMania weekend. If they would have put it out, you know, three months later or three months before, probably wouldn't have got as much attention. So it's getting a lot of attention, a lot of discussion. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. I don't know that the things mentioned in that piece will ever really change. Do you think that um, offering up the wrestlers health insurance and not having them be independent contractors, some of the things that were brought up, do you think that those need to change? Look, I, wrestling, the precedent for the industry that we call sports entertainment or professional wrestling, that model, the precedent of that business model has been around forever. And look, if, if WWE, which is the most viable, well, obviously the largest producer of this type of content anywhere in the world, in the history of the said world, if they were to change their business model to accommodate a traditional employer model, I'm not sure what would happen to that company. It's a substantial change. I'm not saying they can't do it. I'm not saying they won't do it. I have no idea. But, you know, it, it bothers me, I guess, that people been people like myself now I wasn't a wrestler so I'm probably not the best person to ask but I've been an independent contractor almost all of my life there's only been seven years of my adult life that I actually worked for somebody other than myself and during that seven year period or whatever it was seven or eight um, I, you know I worked for Trigger Broadcasting and I was an employee and I got benefits and I got stock options and I had health insurance and I had all that good stuff 401ks blah 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 and I, I loved it you know it's free who doesn't like free? I'm, I'm not immune to free. I'll, I'll take a little free when I can get it. Uh, a little free on the side. It's okay with me. But for the largest part of my life, I've not had that luxury or, or that situation. So I've, I've been accustomed to just paying for my own shit mm-hmm. um, or not being able to in some cases. But I've never um, – I've never thought about, you know, in the wrestling business, somebody, look, when I went to work for WWE, the only time I wasn't self-employed as an independent contractor, really, um, I knew what I was getting into when I signed that agreement. I knew there was going to be no health insurance. Mm -hmm. I I knew there was going to be no retirement. Nobody talked to me about a 401k. I'm intelligent enough to read the agreement I signed and intelligent enough to come to a, a meeting of the minds while executing that agreement so that based on my own expectations of what's in the four corners of that document, I know what to expect in return for my services. So it's hard for me to relate to people that bitch and whine about it after the fact. If you don't like that situation, you don't like the fact that WWE is not offering you the things that maybe you could get at, I don't know, IBM or 
you know, Apple or, you know, an airline to go work there. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. if you're, if you're like me or, or I'm sure many people who aspire for an opportunity for greatness, um, like musicians do, um, you know what, you got to roll the dice. And if you choose to roll the dice, going into that deal, knowing what it is and what it isn't, then don't bitch and whine about it afterwards. So I, everybody's got a different situation. My situation, my personality, my experience um, is completely different than everybody else's. So I'm not criticizing anybody who feels differently than I do, but, you know, all the hype about, you know, all these poor wrestlers are getting, and it is true. It, I mean, so much of it is true. I'm not denying it's not, but that's a choice they made. And you go into it knowing that. It's hard for me to feel too much sympathy for people that make choices and take risks, knowing what the odds are, and, and then whine about it after the fact. Mm, can't argue with that. That's pretty interesting. Uh, so talking about Uncensored 99, we saw a big marquee matchup with Stevie Ray against Vincent. Very big. Uh, when you saw this match, did you kind of realize, I think this NWO thing is kind of dying down, or was it before or after that that, that where it kind of feel like you know you need to start maybe pulling the plug on the NWO. Well, it wasn't no look, the entire creative process was dysfunctional and lacked direction. And the fact that the NWO was certainly on the downward side of its trajectory, there's no question about that. So was everything else around it. There was nothing that was really outstanding or even pretty good during that period of time because everything was suffering. Creative was suffering. Uh, production was suffering. Um, so much of our, our business was suffering that it, I know it's, you know, it's not unusual to pick out the NWO because a year prior to that, really, the NWO, arguably, you could say that it was almost at its peak or, you know, barely off its peak, probably of 97. But by 99, it was the NWO, like everything else, was suffering dramatically. So I, I, what I'm saying in short is I wouldn't look at the NWO or that match and say, wow, that's an example or a manifestation of how bad the NWO got. It was a manifestation of how bad everything got. Along with, um, like, you know, the various things with that, we had Perry Saturn wrestling in a dress. What, what was going through his mind when he was told this? Was he okay with this? No, he, I, I'm... Look, now I remember bits and pieces of that because I wasn't involved in laying out that match or even Perry's character at that point. Keep in mind, by 1999, I was so overwhelmed with the non-creative side of the business, of the wrestling business, mostly fighting for our lives internally at Turner Broadcasting as a result of all of the things that were going on there that not only affected WCW and me and was driving me batshit quite frankly, but this was the impact, the overarching impact of the AOL Time Warner merger was dramatically affecting a lot of divisions in Turner. Um, so I was stepping away from creative at this point. I had to, I had no choice. In fact, right before this pay-per-view, I went to uh, Paris with my daughter mm -hmm. uh, because I just had to clear my head. You know, she was very young. She was at school and studying French and really wanted to go to France. And I had very little time to spend with my daughter during this period of time. You know, weekends and things like that were fine. But I wanted a father-daughter, you know, experience for a week or so in France. But I also needed to get the hell away from it because I was really burnt out and, and overwhelmed with what I was facing. Like I said, not on the creative side because I walked away from that, um, but on the business side. 
So I'm wondering if you maybe have any insight to Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko's reaction to the whole vanilla midgets joke. Was it yeah, a big deal no, it wasn't a joke. It was it was said, you know, it was, <laughs> it was it was meant to be funny, but in a not so humorous way. You know, sometimes jokes everybody can laugh. Even the even the target of that joke knows it's a joke and it's funny. But you know, they call it ribbon on the square sometimes in, in the industry. When you when you tell a joke or you have fun at someone's expense, that cuts kind of true to the way you really feel about them. It's not funny, and I there was so much. As I said on the podcast. You know, the tensions were so high with the guys who were the cruiserweights because they wanted to move up. They, you know, the competitors, that's why they were there in the first place. That's why they broke into the business in the first place, because they wanted to be stars. They had dreams that, you know, they probably saw themselves wrestling in a main event. And some of them were obviously capable of it and went on to do exactly that. Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko. You know, Rey Mysterio, you know, went on to have a great career. And these guys were chomping at the bit to kind of break through that barrier. So it, there was already enough tension um, existed within the cruiserweight division and, and, and even our more established heavyweight guys um, that this joke or the insinuation or the suggestion, whatever you want to call it, the reference to them as vanilla midgets uh, did not go over well with anybody. You know, it was it was it, it was mean is it wasn't meant to be funny. It was meant to be mean with a joke at the end. So this is about a uh, second year or so or third year of Bret Hart's run in WCW. How far into his run do you think and maybe it started to consider like, oh, maybe this was a bad idea to, to sign Bret Hart? You know, I never looked at it that way um, until now. <laughs> <laughs> After listening to him bust my ass for 20 years and say what a miserable person I am and how he, I ruined his career and I, I don't know anything about the wrestling business and, and all the things that he's been talking about for 20 years, I clearly felt – I clearly feel now that I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. But at the time, look, I, I knew – I knew Brett didn't feel like he was meeting his own expectations. Clearly from a business point of view, he wasn't meeting mine. But I, I was never I never the thought never crossed my mind where wow I really made a mistake this guy I wish I wouldn't have done it. It was more wow this isn't working what can we do to fix it as opposed to wow this isn't working I wish it never happened. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So we always see, you know, um like big names, big celebrities get involved. We've talked about Jay Leno, we've talked about Dennis Rodman. This year for WrestleMania, we have Batista back, we have Colin Jose and Michael Che. Of course it brings more eyes to the to the wrestling side. Do Don't you forget think, David Arquette. Oh, of course, <laughs> the legendary. Uh, um, of course, it brings more eyes to the wrestling side. Do you think that it puts a, a positive impact on the other side of it? Do you think now, okay, well, wrestling fans, we're going to now tune into Saturday Night Live to see if Michael Chang Colin just talk about it on, on Saturday Night Live or. I mean, as much as they're probably already going to see the Avengers movies, are more people now, oh, now we see Batista from here. Do you think it has that same impact the other way as it does for, um, for wrestling viewership? I mean, I don't, I don't study movie research, so I don't know mm-hmm. what I'm about to say is true or accurate. I can only tell you what my gut tells me and kind of common sense from my own limited perspective. I would say yes. And I, and I think Rock is a perfect example. Sure. 
I think Batista is another great example. I think John Cena is a good example. You know, The Miz, there are a lot of people that are breaking into entertainment or movies um, because of the strength of the wrestling fans' interest in them. And I, I think that we're finally getting to the point, thanks really only to WWE, that the movie industry as a whole is looking at stars like The Rock and John Cena and Batista and others um, not only as talent, but talent that brings a hell of a lot of an audience, a hell of, a hell of a lot of audience with them, which makes them even more valuable, perhaps, than their actual acting abilities. Mm-hmm. You know, when you can bring, if the numbers that I read every once in a while, the, the, the WWE universe being 25 million people worldwide, well, if you're, you know, one of the top talents, if you're a John Cena, for example, breaking into the movie business and a movie studio realizes that, holy crap, they've got 25 million active fans that comes along with them, guess what? You know, it does work both ways, and I'm glad to see that. Um, and I think that's in large, that, that has something to do in some part, big or small. Rock would be able to answer that question more than I or John Cena. But I'm, I'm, I have to believe it does work both ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, just one more question for you. Do you think that Brutus the Barber Beefcake's Hall of Fame induction, is that, would you say, justified? Or you think a ploy just to get Hulk Hogan involved in the show? Oh, I don't think it's the latter um, because Hulk would have gotten involved with the show. You know, (laughs) he'd been asked regardless of whether you can't keep him away. Is that what you're saying? No. So I, I, look, I, you know, there's always conspiracy. You know, people always think there's some, there's another reason for what we're seeing than what we see. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's the nature of the wrestling business and it's fine. It's healthy. It's one of the reasons we love it because even though you may know what you're watching isn't real, but you don't know how it isn't real. And is this, is this going on because somebody's trying to make a point or, you know, is it an inside rib? There's always that kind of narrative surrounding certain things. Yes. But, I, you know, I'm taking this one at face value. You know, I'm, I've am i been pretty outspoken about, you know, my relationship with Brutus, and it is what it is. But it doesn't mean I'm not happy for him. Uh, I am happy for him, and I'm proud for him. I'm not proud of him because it didn't have anything to do with me, but I'm proud for him. I can I can – I have empathy for his – the way he feels. And look, I've said this before about Honky Tonk Man, and it's not much different. You know, I don't have to be friends with somebody to be happy for them. I can actually be of the mind that I don't want anything to do with them and still be happy for them. And, and I'm happy for Brutus. You know, he's at a stage in his life where he's looking in the rearview mirror at, in many ways, were some of the highlights of his life. And when you get to that point in time, uh, and you're looking, you're spending more time looking in the rearview mirror than you are out the front windshield. I, I, I like to think that, you know, people like Brutus, you know, get a sense of satisfaction and fulfillment out of a moment like this. So I'm, I'm happy for him, in short. I'm, I'm happy for him. And I don't think it was a ploy to get Hulk Hogan. It may have been a rib on Triple H. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Triple H has got to put him over now and, and stand here next to him and take his Hall of Fame picture. So, man, I don't know. Maybe I'd buy into that, maybe. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Stirring it up. Stirring it up. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, since we're stirring it up anyway, before we let you go, we want to help you prepare for this weekend and uh, maybe get your thoughts rolling on what your first reaction is going to be or what you're going to say when you see someone in particular. So we're just going to give you a couple names, kind of a rapid-fire situation, and you tell us what will be your first reaction. 
reaction. What's the language restrictions on the show? It's your channel. It's your channel. Absolutely oh, none. Fuck, here we go. Yes, let's do it. All right, we're gonna I'm gonna come in hot with this one too. Honky tonk man. Congratulations. It's his weekend. I'm not gonna do anything or say anything to take away from it, but support him. Well, this should be a good one then. Jim Cornette. He's not being inducted into the hall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so what, what would you say to him? So, so it's open season. I, you know, I don't know. I have to think about that. I, I don't know. Ooh, sounds I, like I, you I should. Don't, I don't know. <laughs> it, believe me, whatever it is, it will probably raise both of our blood pressures and it can get us. I'll just throw a random one out. Kimberly Page. Where the hell have you been? <laughs> you, you were at our 4th of July sitting around a campfire. You got in your truck, you disappeared, and hadn't heard a word from you since. <laughs> All right. Well, how about after you, what you shared on the podcast this week, what are you going to say to Kidman if you run into him? Have you ever learned how to cut a promo? Because <laughs> it could have changed everything, Billy. It could. You had everything. You not only had the skill set, you had the look. You had the psychology. You fucking had Tori Wilson. Yeah, yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> you had it all. What is that? So you had it all. You had it all, but you couldn't cut a promo. Now let's go get a beer. Aww. <laughs> uh, Vince Russo. I, it I could would happen, avoid him. Eric. It could happen. Like, you're in a hallway, a narrow hallway, and it's you and him coming in each direction. You just say, "All right, I'm going to sh- go the other way," or. No, at that point I wouldn't turn around. I would, I, I would probably say you have thirty seconds to go the other way. <laughs> Ooh, one more. And let me, let me, because I'm having fun here with you guys. Not a physical guy. I would probably just nod my head and keep walking and hope he didn't try to stop and talk to me. Mm-hmm. But because um, I don't really want to have a conversation with him, he's probably the only person that I could think of that I wouldn't want to engage in a conversation that I've worked with in the past, whether it's, even if it was Brett or whatever, you know, I don't carry grudges. I'm not angry about anything. Um, well, I'll take that back. <laughs> I mean, I, I, the anger part, the grudge part, I don't hold grudges. So there's nobody really that I could walk into, uh, or bump into that. I wouldn't be grateful to have a conversation with, uh, except for Vince Russo, because he, you know, I, I don't even want to say it because I've said it enough. Everybody knows how I feel about it. Well, uh, well, someone who might also be there, uh, one Disco Inferno. I love Disco. <laughs> it's so easy to make fun of him because yeah. he does it himself. He sets himself up. He's his own straight man for crying out loud. <laughs> he could do, he could do a stand up comedy duo by himself. You know, he's 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 a funny guy. He's got a great attitude. And I'll tell you what, he's one of the more underrated. Because we have so much fun making fun of him yeah. and, and all that. But if you really break his work down, granted, his character was bad, corny, <laughs> poorly timed. I think if that character would have come along 10 years earlier, he'd have been a much bigger star. He was kind of on the downward side of that comedic stuff a little bit. But I don't know. I think he's a very, very underrated talent when it comes to the fundamentals of wrestling, the psychology, and what he was capable of doing in the ring. He was a great, great performer in the ring. All right. That was but fun. He's but he's a freaking goof. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we will be sure to uh, check out everything that you're up to this weekend. We'll be following you on social media. And uh, just have fun. 
Oh, but you trust me, I'm going to have a blast. So before we go, just want to remind everybody that uh, Monday at 4 o'clock at Littlefields. Littlefields is a nice little club blocks away from Barclay Center. So if you're staying in town for Monday Night Raw to make a three-day weekend out of it, we're the only matinee in town. We're blocks away from Barclay Center where Raw's going to be. Tony Schiavone, Eric Bischoff, Conrad Thompson on stage live, a What Happened When 83 Weeks version. So it'll be a lot of fun. Yes, don't miss it, nice. everybody out there. And uh, we will talk to you next week where I'm sure we'll be grilling you about all the madness that happened. Yeah, I'll be hooked up in the back there, you know, to a kidney and liver machine. Yeah. Perfect. So I may have to be doing this like with a hospital bed and a camera looking down at me. But <laughs> I love I'll it, camo style. Great. Well, thank you so much, Eric. We'll see you then. Have fun. See ya. Adios. All right. Oh, yay. That was so, you made me excited for the weekend. It's going to be a fun weekend, and he's got a lot of fun stuff ahead of him. He does. That's cool. Well, we have had fun breaking down this episode of uh, 83 Weeks featuring Uncensored 1999. Guys, if they want to keep up with you, where do they do that at? You can follow me on Twitter at Rosenberg, Instagram, TheRerosenberg, ProSNTs.com, slash Christian Rosenberg. And you can check me out hosting the AfterBuzz Smackdown show on um, AfterBuzz TV's YouTube page. Yeah. George Hermosa? You can follow me at G-H-E-R-M-O-Z-A. The next wrestling pro wrestling should be called. I think it's called Russell Crowe Wrestling. Yeah, Russell Crowe Wrestling 2. Russell Crowe Wrestling 2, which I think is an awesome name. Uh, April 26th. Hopefully you guys are all there, including you. All right. Can't wait. You guys can always hit me up at Christie Reports. Don't forget to subscribe to the 83 Weeks channel. And we will see you next week. They are covering Spring Stampede 1997. Can't wait for that one. Have a good week. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.